Bienvenido. Ahora está escuchando el Paseo Podcast, donde desquetamos las historias de, por y para la comunidad puertorriqueña. Hello and welcome everybody to the first episode of the Paseo Podcast, where we highlight stories by, from, and about the Puerto Rican community. My name is Joshua Smizer de Leon, and I am so happy you are taking the time to listen to this. We are actually starting this podcast as a, as a way to, to bring attention to the diverse and vibrant stories that make up the Puerto Rican communities here in Paseo Boricua in Chicago and around the world, from La Isla to the diaspora. We hope you enjoy what you hear. For our first episode, I invited Jose Lopez, the executive director of the Puerto Rican Cultural Center, to share his knowledge of Paseo Boricua and give some of his insight into what makes it so unique. We also welcome Luis Rosa, a former political prisoner who now works as the entertainment coordinator for Fiesta Boricua. He'll be here to talk all things related to the big celebration this Labor Day weekend. We are here in the Puerto Rican Cultural Center studios. I am here with Jose Lopez. Jose, welcome to the Paseo Podcast. How are you today? Very well, thank you. Great, good. We're so happy to have you. Uh, for those that do not know who you are, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and, and what you do? Well, I am Jose Lopez. I'm the executive director of the Puerto Rican Cultural Center. I'm one of the founders of the Puerto Rican Cultural Center. There were a number of us that founded this in 1972, uh, 73, and the Cultural Center has existed uh, since then. Our first initiative was obviously the creation of the Dr. Pedro Albizu Campos High School, which is one of the oldest alternative schools in Chicago now. And after that, we started to create an umbrella organization that is basically premised on three principles, the self-determination of the Puerto Rican people, the self-actualization of the Puerto Rican people, and the self-reliance of the Puerto Rican people. The more I learn about the cultural center and everything that falls underneath that umbrella, the more I'm amazed at the amount of work that's being done and the, the number of needs that are being addressed in the community. And this all takes place within a stretch of land known as Paseo Boricua. Yes. Um, and it's a big reason why we started this podcast and a big reason why I wanted you on the, the pilot episode, our first episode, because this whole podcast is dedicated to highlighting stories by, from, and about the Puerto Rican community. Um, and as we were we were discussing uh, earlier before the show, um, we were talking about how uh, Chicago has the fourth largest population of Puerto Ricans in the United States. And yet when you look at other uh, populations of Puerto Ricans um, in the U.S., like New York, Orlando and Philadelphia, none of those communities have anything like Paseo Boricua. Um, so for those that are unaware, maybe somebody lived, listening in New York or even on La Isla, why, what is Paseo Boricua? Why is it significant? Paseo Boricua uh, was an attempt by this community to address the issue, particularly as we confronted at that time about 25 years ago, probably even earlier. But where we saw that the community was being threatened with extinction due to the process of urban renewal, but primarily through the process of um, gentrification. 
And we thought and we knew that we had to try to um, help to maintain, to sustain the Puerto Rican presence and persistence in Chicago. So in 1973, uh, then Alderman um, uh, Billy Ocasio, the Alderman of the 26th Ward, and a group of Puerto Rican leaders uh, who comprised the Puerto Rican agenda uh, convened a summit at, at Roberto Clemente High School in May of 1973. Uh, I'm sorry, of 1993, May of 1993, we convened this um, summit in which a thousand people participated and brought together all of the ideas of what we needed to do in terms of economic, cultural, social, um, obviously health, all the issues, uh, employment, all of the issues that impacted on the community. And we came up with the idea that one of the best ways to do that was obviously to anchor ourselves in an area which historically had been the Puerto Rican center of, um, of, of entry for Puerto Ricans way back in the mid-1940s. And that by the 1950s, 1960s, 1970s, 1980s, Puerto Ricans were calling this area La Division. In this area, uh, we already had lost half of it uh, up to Western. We thought, well, we need to create a streetscape that really makes this a place that we are going to be able to claim as a historical hub of the Puerto Rican community. As we looked at the landscape in Chicago, what better place to anchor this community than in a place that was a commercial strip already known a place that had an identity as a port of entry for Puerto Ricans. And thus, we said, this is the area that we want to demarcate as an area of Puerto Rican cultural, commercial, and social activity. You mentioned the banderas, the, the Puerto Rican flags. Those were installed in the 90s? It, they were installed in 1995. So we started the discussion in 93. Okay. By 95, we had... Um, erected those flags fascinating okay that that's amazing uh and for those for those that have not seen these banderas they are about what would you say three four stories okay so they are 59 feet high they are 56 feet in width and they go 20 feet into the ground so if anybody wanted to take those out they would would have (laughs) on top of it they are part of chicago public arts so no one can actually take it oh, up because they're okay, not perfect. just they're not just a structure they're actually an architectural jam by the way those also receive almost 13 different awards as an engineering feat i mean everything you can think about those flags from the fact that they have a very very important historical significance for us but in addition to that all of the other elements that make it a, a really creative piece of Puerto Rican, of, of Chicago public art. I should say, those flags were erected in 1995 on the 100th anniversary of the adoption of the Puerto Rican flag, and it is modeled after the Cuban flag. The flags are made out of steel. One of the first waves of Puerto Ricans that came to Chicago came to work in the, in the steel mills. They are um, made out of um, pieces 
of pipeline which are welded together. So in actual fact, a lot of Puerto Ricans, including my father, came to work in the pipeline industry. And so those pipelines, which measure maybe around two feet, they were welded together because another wave of Puerto Ricans came to work in the welding industry. So the idea of this flag was to obviously make a statement about our history in terms of the adoption of that flag, of the contribution that Puerto Ricans began to make very early, the Puerto Rican diaspora, uh, to Puerto Rico by adopting that flag as the official flag of Puerto Rico, but at the same time to lay claim to our persistence in the city, which had informed a great deal of the industrial development. So Puerto Ricans made contributions to the steel industry, to the welding industry, to the pipeline industry. So all of those things are sort of um, embedded in the, in, 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 in the uh, conceptualization of those flags and that and and those flags are i mean for they're significant for everything you just mentioned and, and one thing I, I when i talk to other latinos latinas latinx people i i always hear this this term or th this phrasing that puerto ricans put their flag on everything yes from their shoes to their shirts to their hats i have a hat right now that has a bunch of puerto rican flags on it right. um then there was a time in in our country where puerto R that the the puerto rican flag as we know it was illegal we yes. could not we could not fly that we Absolutely. could not wear that as a matter of fact i would say that it is the puerto ricans in the united states who in actual fact um recover that flag from anonymity and illegality. So it became illegal, particularly after 1948 with a law that prohibited the flying of the flag by itself. And it became a symbol of, literally it, it was considered subversive and it was used in the trial of the nationalists in 1950 as a piece of evidence of their criminal acts and um, in addition to that, it became anonymous because Puerto Ricans were afraid with that repression to fly the flag by itself. Wow. And so when, when we look at the borders of Paseo, those, those, those gigantic uh, banderas that you mentioned, those signify the, the beginning and end of that strip of land. They, they signify, actually, they're almost like portals. If you could think okay, of portals sure. in which you enter and you exit, but you're always entering and exiting. So mm -hmm. it's not a it's not a wall. Mm -hmm. It's not meant to get people out. It is meant to welcome you and to bid you goodbye at the same time, which are probably the two most important human acts. We welcome, we welcome strangers, and we welcome everyone to our home, but we also sometimes have to say goodbye. But those are sure. two things that human beings do in a very unique and very expressive, and in many ways, deep emotional ways. Mm -hmm. And it's almost—it's very familial in a sense too. I grew up, you know, I go to a family party. I'm yeah. giving hugs and kisses to everybody. Exactly. That's if if it's two people in the room or two hundred people <laughs> exactly. in the room. By the time if it's a bunch of people and I'm saying hi to everybody, by the time I say hi to everyone, the party's already over. Exactly. And then it's time to say bye to everybody all over again. Exactly. Uh, and they, <laughs> this is what this is meant to be. Right. For Puerto Ricans, one of the things that's very important is that in Puerto Rico, almost all of our major events are always done in the public setting. 
And this is deeply, deeply rooted in our African traditions, and it is deeply rooted in our indigenous tradition. If you think about one of the most important elements of Puerto Rican culture from our indigenous Taino people, it was the celebration of the Areto. It's an amazing celebration of culture and history and storytelling and food and everything. Those Festivals later on would be turned into the kinds of carnivals that are celebrated in the Caribbean. And the Caribbean is known for its uh, festivals. And particularly, it's the sort of coming together um, in a syncretic way of African traditions, of indigenous tradition, and obviously of our Spanish traditions. So you've, you've seen a lot. You've seen this area change pretty significantly over time. And when, when we talk about the, you know, hello and goodbye and the welcoming of Paseo Boricua, do you ever foresee Paseo expanding past the two banderas? Because I know we have Humboldt Park. We have the National Museum of Puerto Rican Art. Um, and that that is well after you pass that that bandera on uh, California and division. So what? Are there any? Is there anything that you can share, or any insight you can give on? You know, is that is that something that's in the works? Absolutely. Um, we are looking at the creation. Hopefully, at the state level, the state legislature can actually create special designated special service uh, districts. They can declare areas historical landmarks. We're looking towards the expansion of this area in such a way that it could take us all the way to Pulaski, and we want this to be home for generations of Puerto Ricans to come. But I want to make it very clear that when I say this, this is about Puerto Rican hospitality. It's about Puerto Rican solidarity. So it's not about a sense of separating ourselves, of creating exclusive little uh, homelands. It's about creating a space in which we can continue to create, to um, obviously promote and to advocate for our Puerto Ricanness as a place where we can invite everyone to come and celebrate with us our Puerto Ricanness. Actually, this coming weekend and during Labor Day, we will have the 26th annual Fiesta Boricua, which brings the best of Puerto Rican music, food, artisanry, anything you could imagine is here between those two flags actually now has become popular as, as the fiesta, La Fiesta Boricua de Bandera Bandera. So I think it's really important to understand that. But our idea is that at the end, we'll end up with Puerto Rico town, which will be a hub of Puerto Rican um, social, cultural, economic development. But it will be a place where we could really enjoy the Puerto Rican culture, but enjoy the Puerto Rican people. We don't want a Disney-esque Puerto Rico town. We want a Puerto Rico town that's authentically Puerto Rican, Puerto Rican, where we can continue to add new dimensions to Puerto Rican culture. So I do want to go back a little bit because you talked about this idea of Puerto Rican hospitality. And you also touched on how Humboldt Park as a whole is gentrifying at a rapid at a rapid pace. Um, and this is something that selfishly I'm asking because the history I know of Chicago, uh, Wicker Park was a German community. 
Germans migrated. Polish people started coming into Wicker Park. Germans came to Humboldt Park. Polish people then came to Humboldt Park. Then you had all the Puerto Ricans and you had some Mexicans coming to Wicker Park. And then Puerto Ricans eventually migrated in Humboldt Park. You started to see a lot of Europeans kind of going to different parts of the city. Uh, What advice would you give to any people having these discussions around the dinner table about gentrification and, you know, what's going on in Paseo Boricua? Like, how, how can we articulate that? This isn't an us versus them situation. This isn't an issue. This isn't an issue of you versus me, but it's an issue of being hospitable, honoring culture. You know, I, I'm having a little trouble art, articul- trouble articulating that with people because I feel like sometimes when we have these conversations around gentrification, it almost turns into this demonization of and otherizing people. Um, I'm, uh, so, uh, yeah, what, what advice well, can you kind of give to navigate those conversations? The conversation has to be honest. Mm-hmm. It has to be real. And by that, I mean that gentrification cannot be seen as a process of development and progress. We have made a lot of progress as a community. In 1966, on that street, there was a riot uh, and a rebellion. In 1977, there was another one against the marginalization of this community. And we have fought to create a vibrant, dynamic, incredibly beautiful community. I mean, you just... Everything here, um, all of your senses are immersed in a Puerto Rican reality. We should be thinking about what kind of city do we want. And the kind of city that we should want is the world in the city. And instead of demonizing people and trying to spatially deconcentrate them, which is what gentrification is, in a very subtle way, we should be thinking about We cannot say, well, and we shouldn't tell anybody where they live or cannot live. What we should think is, if I move into this community, how am I contributing in with my skills, with whatever I have to be part of that community, to embrace that community, for the community to embrace me, for me to feel like I am a guest and not someone who's coming in to displace these people. And part of the problem of gentrification is that it's also accompanied by the criminalization and the demonization of our community. We have to stop that. And we have to be honest about this, and we have to look at gentrification as another process of colonialism. And colonialism, historically, has been justified by racism. So we've got to own up to this, and we got to say, what kind of city do we want when after 2008, the majority of the world's population was living in urban center? By the end of the century, probably 80% of the world's people will live in the urban center. What kind of city do we want for the 21st century? There is nothing that any group of people has that's better than anyone else's. People express their culture through their own prisms, through their own reality, and we should respect it. I think, and I think just to uh, start wrapping up here, I think that's one of the beautiful things about Paseo Boricua, because with one, one of the many effects of gentrification is that, that dissolving of the concentration of people, and then you have this disbursement 
of of people and then that culture starts to get watered down to the point where it eventually can't continue exactly. um, so having having almost like a um, having this strip of land where that culture is celebrated and there is an encouragement to not only be hospitable but to share that culture right. and to give those opportunities to learn what what is the Boricua the Puerto Rican experience I think is something beautiful and is something that can definitely be modeled in other parts of this country um, and not just for, for Puerto Ricans but um, all cultures as a matter of fact the idea of this designation that one of Puerto Rico is a cultural sanctuary district where we honor cultures and we could create sanctuary districts for every group. And that would be wonderful. Amazing. Well, Jose, thank you for coming on. Can I ask you just to tell uh, or share with our listeners, how can they learn more about the work that's being done in the Puerto Rican Cultural Center? Well, I would hope that they can obviously visit us in our webpage. We also publish a newspaper called La Voz del Paseo Boricua. And definitely now with this new uh, venue uh, of Paseo Boricua podcast, you can definitely be, we're going to learn a lot more about what happens here. Beautiful. And I, if I have the, the link correctly here for the Puerto Rican Cultural Center, it's prcc-chgo.org. Again, that's prcc chgo.org and then if people want to learn more about Paseo Boricua they can go to paseoboricua.org again that's p-a-s-e-o-b-o-r-i-c-u-a.org and I think you can even take a tour too if you're in the area and then on social media on Facebook at prcc.chicago and Instagram at j-a-c-p-r-c-c Ooh, that's a lot of letters, but uh, hopefully you follow uh, all the great work that's happening in the Puerto Rican Cultural Center. You will be amazed at the number of nonprofits that are active in this area and the number of people that this center helps. So strongly encourage our listeners to definitely pay a visit to any of these channels. Jose, thank you so much thank for coming you. on. Thank you. We want to take this moment to say thank you again for listening. When you download our podcast or subscribe to the podcast itself, my gosh, that makes a world of difference. So gracias for taking your time to listen to to us. We also want to take uh, this time to thank the sponsor of today's episode. This episode would not be possible without the generous support of the Puerto Rican Cultural Center. The Puerto Rican Cultural Center, located at 2546 West Division Street, right here in Chicago, is a community-based, grassroots, educational, health, and cultural services organization founded on the principles of self-determination, self-actualization, and self-sufficiency that is all activist-oriented. For more information on the work they do, Give them a visit at their website at prcc-chgo.org. Again, that's prcc-chgo.org. Now, if you or anyone else you know would like to be a sponsor of the Paseo Podcast, please email us at paseopod at gmail.com. That's P-A-S-E-O-P-O-D at gmail.com. Tell them Joshua from Humble Park sent you. All right, we have another guest on the Paseo podcast, Luis Rosa, a former political prisoner who now works as the entertainment coordinator for Fiesta Boricua. Luis, I'm going to let you do your intro. Uh, so tell our listeners who you are. Yes, my name is Luis Rosa Perez. I'm 
uh, currently live in Aguadilla, Puerto Rico for the last 20 years. Eso. Uh, yeah. hey. <laughs> I'm a former political prisoner who was uh, uh, spent 20 years for the uh, defense of Puerto Rican independence. But since then, since uh, my release, I've been helping out uh, my community here in, in Chicago uh, with Paseo, with, with Fiesta Boricua. And so uh, my role here is basically uh, to coordinate the stage and to uh, do the little uh, uh, nuances, right? To uh, to organize some of the the uh, logistical part of the of the uh, Fiesta Boricua concerts. And I know there's like, I mean, that is growing up in Humboldt Park. I remember Labor Day weekend. It was it, it almost was more about Fiesta Boricua than it was about that Monday we all get a day off on Correct. because it was just a big. I mean, it's just a gigantic party and celebration of of Puerto Rican culture. Can you tell us a little bit about like what is the history of? Uh, for 26 years, uh, the Puerto Rican Cultural uh, Center and others within the communities have offered this as a gift to the community as basically saying thank you uh, for supporting uh, the efforts of of, uh, of the Puerto Rican uh, Cultural Center and thank you for for maintaining a community in, in lights uh, uh, of the, all the gentrification that's happening. So this is basically a, a payback to the community. Uh, we don't charge anything. Uh, we have, uh, at times, we have three stages uh, with many acts coming in from Puerto Rico and, and the diaspora uh, representing the best of the Puerto Rican culture, uh, both in music, in, in dance, and in, in, uh, and food. And So people are going to be selling their art. There's going to be music. There's going to be vendors. There's going to be a lot of stuff going on. That, that's correct. For the last uh, 10 years, this year actually marks the 10th anniversary since we started a new concept called uh, Lo Mejor de Nuestro Pueblo, so the best mm. of our of our, of our uh, cities in Puerto Rico. So we invite a city every year, and they bring, uh, not only do they bring their artists, they bring muralists, uh, they bring uh, their artwork, they bring uh, uh, everything that represents the best of their, of their community, the best of their cities. So uh, this year is dedicated to Guayama. Uh, La Ciudad de los Brujos, uh, and uh, which it has a, a, a real uh, rich in, uh, history of, of, of uh, safeguarding the traditional uh, bomba music, uh, bomba en plena music. And, and you touched on, you're touching on music, and I, I remember seeing the flyer, I don't have it in front of me right now, but it looked like there were some really really good bands coming. Well, that's, that's, yeah. We have a, we have a, a, a a songwriter, uh, a singer-songwriter named Mima, who's known internationally, and she's pairing off with a group called the International Dub uh, uh, Ambassadors. Uh, this is a form of reggae, but done with a twist of, of Puerto Ricanness, right? In mm. uh, uh, wow. uh, in the style of Cortura Profetica and stuff like that, but with a real good message. And they'll be they'll be joining us uh, as well as uh, Guayama sending us their uh, salsa con clave uh, salsa group that's that'll be uh, ending one of the concerts. Bandera uh, Bandera goes Saturday to Sunday. Correct? That's correct. Right? But so, uh-huh. we also have an additional activity on Friday, which oh. is the uh, Guayabera Gala. That's where we present our artists. <laughs> and, and that's great. Get dressed <laughs> up in, in the traditional Guayabera, Puerto Rican it. Guayabera, and uh, they enjoy a good meal. They enjoy some good music because some of the artists perform, and they get to mingle with with the artists. So I, By, it's division. I guess the the big streets would be division and humble boulevard boulevard right yeah so right across right in the park and uh 
and and what the lineup in, installs is basically on Saturday we start off with La Misa Jibara. Uh, the Misa Jibara is also celebrating its 10th anniversary. That sounds like quite a lineup. I mean, so when we look at, so I guess for, for me, the biggest question is when does all this music start happening? So Saturday comes, when's that first set? Well, after the Misa Jibara, the Misa Jibara uh, actually starts at 12 o'clock with, uh, with, uh, with dance lessons, salsa dance lessons. That's totally free to the public. So please I come out there and participate. my wife and I are going to go to that. Yeah. So you, learn, <laughs> so you can learn some of these steps that you'll be using at night, right? That's right. Maybe yeah. Utilizing those steps at night. So bring your kids. Bring Because uh, we also have, apart from Fiesta Borico, we have, we have uh, different areas where we address health, where we address education. We have the carnival this year again uh we give our backpacks uh so we have you know it's, it's family orientated and 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 we shoot for that we shoot for 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 providing a, a service to the community that's great and then then is there a is there any like donation or a fee to come to fiesta boricua or is it just kind of open no this is this is completely free open uh, to the community yeah Great. you can come and go as you wish uh the only fee that that you have to pay is if you buy any of the food <laughs> from the vendors sure, sure, or, yeah. or any of the, of the drinks from the from the local uh, establishments but uh no this is completely free come enjoy. all right so august 30th that's a friday that's the guayavera gala and then september um uh, August 31st to September, September 1st, 1st. Uh, that's when all of Paseo turns into Fiesta Boricua. So uh, come through. Uh, I'll be there. Luis will be there. Come by, say hi, um, and enjoy the musica. All right, everybody, that's Sound of the Coqui, just as it symbolizes the end of a day and time to, to get some rest. Now we are getting ready to put this podcast to rest. This episode is officially in the books. Thank you for taking this journey with us on our pilot episode. And uh, we really look forward to bringing you uh, new content, new stories, new perspectives on a weekly basis. Um, but in between those weeks, feel free to connect with us by visiting us on our website, paseomedia.org. Again, that is P-A-S-E-O media.org. If you want to shoot us an email, you can definitely do that too at paseopod at gmail.com. Again, that's P-A-S-E-O pod at gmail.com. You can also follow us at Paseo Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. If you have a tip, want to pitch a story, send us a compliment, or even have a really dope recipe for a hibarito, we would love to hear from you. Until next week, everybody, have a great one. Cuídate.